Welcome to Mastering Agility. If you want to listen to authentic conversations with the most inspiring guests, find like-minded people in the Mastering Agility Discord community or both online and face-to-face events, this is the platform for you. Grab a drink, sit back, and join professional scrum trainers Sander Dorr, Jim Sammons, and their guests in an all-new episode. Jim, good seeing you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm good. It's Friday. Uh, probably not by the time that people are hearing this, but it's still Friday for me right now, so that it's always good. We just had a good uh, Friday drink, a virtual Friday drink session in the uh, in the Mastering Agility Discord community in the lounge, which was really good. You know, part of this, doing this is for the community, right? Or the, the sole reason of doing the podcast for, for is just for the community at large and to help them and to inspire them. And I got really cool feedback. And I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, one guy was saying that he really enjoyed the Jeff Gothelf episode with you, which, again, I really enjoyed as well listening to that. I wasn't there. Uh, people may have heard my, mm-hmm. my annoying voice because the commercial isn't there for Scrum Match. That's the only reason why my voice was there. Uh, but hearing that kind of feedback that people enjoy our episodes, and there was this uh, guy as well, that has created a playlist of our episodes while going on uh, a ski trip, assuming a ski trip. Uh, so these kind of things are so mind-blowing to me. So Yannick, again, if you're listening, if you're listening to this on your trip, really appreciate the feedback. Love that. Thank you very much. So I'm doing really good. Oh, you seem to be on awesome. holiday I, too. Well, not really holiday. Um, it's just a travel week. Um, uh, my partner and I both had some out-of-town meetings and – got put up in a hotel. So doing that, it's been great to have some dinner with and drinks with family and friends. I got to meet up last night with two former colleagues who are really awesome practitioners of all this stuff. And just over uh, some uh, ethnic food, we had a great discussion about things like AI and truth in the truth in journalism and just some of the practices and all that. And Coincidentally, and I haven't got a chance to tell you this this great piece of feedback, is I was invited to a, a holiday team event with one of my former teams from a few years ago. And before I could even say anything, somebody said, oh, my God, I just listened to the episode on EBM and it was so amazing. And I have all these questions for you. And and then they were repeating other episodes that, that you know we had released in the past. And I just love hearing that people are benefiting from this, that it's creating questions for them, that they're able to put stuff into practice. And uh, it just, it just does me good when, you know, maybe, maybe we're busy. Maybe it's not the easiest time to jump on a, on a, on a call and record something, but to hear people that are, that it's helping them even in a tiny way is just great fuel for me. So kudos to you and and the rest of the audience and the guests as well. Uh, Kudos to you too. Again, I was. I, it's it's December, so I'm reflecting on on this year. And I, earlier this month, I uh, or this week, I posted something on LinkedIn. If it wasn't for you, if you wouldn't have been here, then I would probably have stopped the podcast. It's it takes so much perseverance to keep this this stuff going, um, and that's where I need an accountability partner as well as the audience, like this kind of feedback from the audience, knowing and hearing that it's actually valuable to keep this running. Uh, Yeah. And and I felt that. And I remember talking to you and and just so people know, in case it's interesting is, 
you and I didn't really know each other until earlier this year. Like, you know, I had seen your name before. I had saw, followed you on LinkedIn. and But we weren't, a, you know, a thing. Like, we weren't friends. We, we weren't much more than just two people in the same community. And then Sabrina from Scrum.org brought us together via a facilitated discussion around some courseware and things for Scrum.org. And we just realized, you know, my opinion, correct me, is... We, we just see things the same. We had that same energy. We had that same uh, outlook on things and it just blossomed from there. And, you know, I'm still grateful every day to be attached to this podcast. Like it doesn't feel like it's mine yet. Like um, I know you've told me I'm, I'm it's 50, 50, but you've had a catalog of success before me. And incidentally, one of the people I had dinner with this week, he and I had talked for a year about starting a podcast. And this is something he would love to do. And I'm trying to get him on as a guest. But um, it's very easy for me to come on and join something that's already successful and see if I can make it incrementally better. So I'm really glad to hear hear you say that it's been a good thing for you. Yeah. I mean, and now we're just licking each other's heels at this point, right? But it's, it's, it's good to be aware of these things as well. I mean, it's all about making an impact on, on other people's lives. And in this case, you're one of them that has made an impact on my life. Uh, I sure. couldn't have imagined, A, that the podcast would be in the form and shape that it's currently at. I mean, we're, we're currently being listened to in over 120 countries, which is mind-blowing. Um, but the trip that I had two months ago, is it two months ago already? Yeah, I think so. Coming over to your place in in Ohio, I love Ohio, but that stuff uh, is just wild to me. Anyway, enough of licking each other's heels. We've got some open questions from the audience. Uh, let's just drag a random one out. Awesome. This is on the no prep, no prep, no nothing. Super right. agile, super agile. This. How do I start to organize a scrum team in my org? Oh, maybe there's a there's a precursor to this. How to start with Scrum without any experience? Let's start from that point. How to mm. start with Scrum without any experience? Yes. Well, yes. I, I would say <laughs> if you're going to start with Scrum, you need to at least understand the bare minimum of what, what it is and what it's intent for so that you don't waste time starting in a direction that's not going to help you. And, and I think to me, the core thing missing from most scrum teams is a shared purpose or a shared goal. And I see far too many scrum teams that are just groups of people. And we've talked about this on episodes in the past, right? So I'm not going to belabor that point. But I would say that how to get started is what is your shared purpose? What's your shared goal? And I don't care if it's a single project or a single goal or, or OKR, whatever the heck you want to call it. But what is that? And then who do you need on this team? And grab a marker, walk up to a whiteboard or, or whatever, physical or digital, and start drawing names and circles and arrows and stuff. Yeah. I was what a, do you think? How would you answer that? First question, this is something that I've repeated in this podcast over and over, is starting with understanding why you would do scrum and i think that's one of the first questions that's being skipped usually riverside or not riverside sorry scrum is being implemented because someone saw it on linkedin or their neighbor was talking and talking on, uh, about scrum at this party and th oh, that sounds amazing it's going to be our silver bullet our magic 
wand and Harry Potter's going to solve everything, all of her problems are gone. No, that's not how this, this shit works. Know what the problem is that you're trying to fix. Do you have sufficient complexity? Because Scrum is a framework to deal with that kind of complexity. What options do we have to advance in that problem? And why would Scrum be a good match to create steps in, in, in getting there? That's the first thing I would do. Then, what kind of skills? Map out the skills. Just use the whiteboard that you mentioned. Map out the skills that we think that we need. And then you can start forming your team. Uh, that is a good segue to the next question. How do I start to organize a Scrum team in my organization? With mapping out those skills that you initially think you might need, and then what I've done before is just throw it to the general public in your organization. This is the initiative. This is what we try to achieve. This is what we want to do. We don't know if this is going to work. There are a lot of uncertainties. We have, we we're, we're just working from assumptions right here, but who would like to be part of a team like this? Who wants to join us in this endeavor? And then work from there on. Yeah. There's a liberating structure, you know, max specs, min specs. And I think that can help here when we're looking at these skills and, if we've decided that Scrum, we're going to try Scrum and see if it can help us get towards this common goal. And if you list the things that you would like to have on the team, the skill sets or, or, you know, expertise, you're almost always going to be left with a bigger list than is reasonable. Like you can't have a Scrum team of 35 people with every single skill at the right level on it. So you got to kind of start to grab the red pen and say, what can we do without? Or what can we do without right now? knowing that every skill you don't have on the team is either going to create a dependency, you're going to have to do without it, or the team's going to have to develop it on their own. And try and, you know, whittle that list down to the minimum specs that you need to start that, that scrum team to get started for whatever's in ahead of you. And what I've seen is so many teams and departments don't want to start if they don't see a path to nirvana at the end and i i've told them so many times in so many different ways that whatever you think is nirvana right now i is unlikely to look anything like where we end up so don't let two years from now and some ideal state dissuade you from getting started how often do you um, advise organizations to keep their team consistency not necessarily fluid, but at least open to change. Every time. Right. Like, it, yeah, and I think that's the balance. A lot of people think because of something they've read or understood or heard that the scrum team membership can't change. It's not that it can't change. It's just that it shouldn't be changing as a practice. It shouldn't just be so fluid that nobody knows who's on the team and who's not on the team. And because that's going to upset team dynamics and could set you back. So, what do you think? Like, where do you fall in this spectrum of your team should always be open to change and be flexible and all that versus the other end might be create your best team and let it, let it, let it go. It depends. Leave. It depends. <laughs> uh, you're going to say that. Yeah, but it really does. Right. I mean, if you continuously keep on inspecting and adapting and have a look at our, do we still have the right skills, not the right people because the people there are there are right people they may lack skills and skills are things that can be, be, be trained, can be learned, can be adapted or adopted, not adapted. 
do we still have the right skills? No, then maybe we need to have a look at that. Is it something that could be fixed by a course? Yes, all right, awesome. And if not, then what other options do we have? Do we need to maybe make some changes in the team consistency? Sure, but many organizations seem to treat teams and product development as if it's occupational therapy. We have this team over here. You're not gonna do scrum. We're not gonna make any changes to the existing organization, to your team composition, to your product composition, whatever. But now you're gonna run these events and then still expect the benefits of Scrum. Mm-hmm. That's not how this yeah. works. Yeah, it it is disheartening for me how many times in any given week I hear from somebody in my network, oh yeah, we were doing this, but now there's a reorg and now we don't know what's gonna happen. It's gonna take two months for things to shake out, and I got a new boss and he's got new ideas or you know, uh, it's going to affect my team or this person's going away or this company's going away, et cetera. And those companies, I, I don't know if they don't realize it or if they just don't care or what, but they don't understand how those decisions have a compounding effect on everybody involved. And, and I'm not saying you can't reorg. I'm not saying you shouldn't shuffle people around, but when your changes are disruptive to strategy and vision and, and, team membership, you cannot minimize the impact that has on people and the work those people are doing. And that's one of the biggest changes for me working for myself these last few years. And and it's been a breath of fresh air is I don't wake up every day being worried about a reorg. You know, like, like Jeff and I were talking about, you know, I might worry every day about somebody deleting my line on a spreadsheet and losing business, but I don't worry about leadership changes. I I have to deal with them. I have to respond to them, but they no longer make me personally anxious and afraid for how I'm going to show up to work that day. What if it would like looking back, how often have you been in such a situation where you're like, I really do not want to go to work today because of these kind of reasons. Oh, like very, very often. Like, uh, you know, I've worked in a lot of big companies and this is just standard operating procedure there. And, you know, I can remember some times where it was where I literally, like you just said, wanted to pull the covers up and not go to work. Like, I don't want to go in and deal with the water cooler talk. I don't want to go in and open my email. I don't want to do that. And it sucks to feel like that as an adult. It's one thing to feel like that as a, as a kid, like not wanting to go to high school because you didn't get your homework done or you're getting bullied or, or, you know, you, you don't want to go put the tiny little gym shorts on because you're self-conscious or whatever. But it's a whole other thing when you feel like a confident professional and you are realizing that you are doing the equivalent of hiding in the, in the locker room. Right. I think people need to realize as well that they're not in a fucking prison. If you are in a prison or you feel like you're in a prison with your job, run as fast as you can. Find something yeah. that you are passionate about find an organization that is more true to your uh, values. But please, by God, don't stay in the same situation. Um, I think I've said this before on the podcast. Well, I'm not sure. And if so, I'm going to repeat myself because I, to me, it was one of my biggest life lessons. And I don't remember who told me this, but... This person said you spend about 30% of your life, like a third of your life working. 
make sure that you get a job that you really enjoy that provides you energy rather than you, you pour energy and you pour your heart out into this company and they they lay you off within the in the, within a split second make sure that yeah. this is something that a that you understand why that you get get out of bed mm-hmm. and that well, you get a you job know, that and actually I had, fits. yeah go and i had dinner last night one with one of those colleagues i mentioned um i was so um happy for for my friend and um both jealous at the same time because I asked him, how are things going? Or is it the same as it was? He's like, nope, I got a great new job starting in February. I can't wait to do it. He's passionate about the company. He's passionate about the product. He's going to be able to build a team. And it's around a product that he personally cares about. And I know because I know him and all those other things that he's going to pour himself into. He's going to give that company 120%, even if they didn't never ask. And he said, but I'm going to make less money than, than, I've made in, in foreseeable past, but man, he didn't care. His, his eyes were bright and he, you could just feel the excitement. And I think that was just, that that's just something that people might need to hear is, you know, money's one measure, but um, as long as your minimum needs are met and, and maybe your comfort level needs are met, using that 30% for something you care about is going to benefit you in other ways. It's, it's going to bring you compensation in different ways. I can almost guarantee it. It's going to open doors. It's going to make a bigger impact. You're going to find yourself where you're feel, you're getting paid, whether it's emotionally or literally, differently. Yeah. What's the thing that gets you out of it? Except paying bills. Paying bills doesn't count. Um, I'd say the wow. That's a great question. Uh, I think the thing that gets me out of bed it besides coffee is that keeps you out of bed yeah that keeps me out of bed exactly is seeing the outcome of my work and whether it's being able to see a product get released that i was a part of that i know i have my fingerprints on and that i help with or whether it's seeing a team that is gelling as a group because of the work we've all done together the problem is those days are few and far between so it is hard from day to day to maybe see the long-term benefit. And that's where the people around us can help. They can reflect back. This is the impact you're having, or this is um, something that used to be hard or difficult or impossible. That's not. And it's about using that as fuel to get out of bed the next day when you don't feel like doing it. Yeah. I mean, dis- it, I, I read recently discipline is could be summed up as, the fortitude to do the thing that you don't want to do if it's the right thing to do. And, you know, Scrum is great at building habits. Agility is about being disciplined in doing the thing we should do instead of pleasing people or instead of being busy or efficient. And it is hard to have that discipline. Do you think we get incentivized these days with the technology and the app? Um supply let's let's stick to supply i think that's a good word the app supply the technology supply that we have to not have discipline in any aspects of life like you don't like your job then here you have linkedin where you can find a new one you don't like what you're currently watching or you're done with binging one show here's the next one you don't like your relationship you don't want to have a look at yourself here's tinder find someone else yeah i i think 
it is, I, and this is not a new problem. I'm not going to blame modern society or millennials or anything for this, but I think it is easier than ever, let's say, to be dissatisfied and to feel like it's, it, you know, like you've got options. And, you know, I guess it's a positive and a negative. Like if you're truly not satisfied, it's great to have options. But there's a a level of discipline and fortitude that I think previous generations had to build because they didn't have options. You know, like um, our parents and grandparents didn't have the same options in the workplace that we did. So if they had it, like I remember many times my grandfather would say, I had shitty bosses. What do you want me to do about it? Like they were my boss. I, I couldn't click from one meeting to another and, and go work at another manufacturing company. It wasn't that easy. Mastering Agility only works with organizations aligned with our values, and that's exactly why we are excited to work with our sponsor. Scrum Match is a free platform for professionals run by professionals. On Scrum Match, true Scrum Masters get hired by companies serious about the popular framework. The awesome people behind this platform have decades of experience, among them a professional Scrum trainer for Scrum.org. They've interviewed, trained, and coached hundreds of like-minded people, and they use this exact experience to make you stand out from the crowd and help you get in touch with companies looking for true Scrum Masters. So go to scrummatch.com and sprint to your dream job. No, and, and that's something that I've heard before as well. The thing is that we are, we, we've shifted from that point where bosses, where we needed bosses to rely on. And now it's the other way around, mostly. Maybe corporate mm -hmm. America treat, tends to treat that differently, but because of the, the, the complexity and the knowledge work that's required these days where management is just disconnected with the work that needs to be performed because they cannot keep up with the changes that are, for instance, AI management does not keep up with the same pace of technology changes. I mean, developers hardly do. So yeah. we're, we're less reliant on our management to, to really uh, stay in place than the other way around. Then for instance, your grandfather, I mean, yeah. you cannot really change that in that sense. But these days, it's abundant. So I, I want to bring this back to Scrum for a second, and then I want to kind of maybe pivot slightly to one of the comments in the chat around this idea is one of the things that I've heard from Scrum Masters, and just not even just Scrum Masters, but people in this domain, right? Product owners, Scrum Masters, flow facilitators, whatever the heck we want to call it. Um, they're like, oh, like, I'm so good. My company just doesn't get it. So can you help me get to a company that gets it? And, you know, they're dissatisfied with their current company. And I normally start by asking them, well, what have you done to try and change things? And what are you doing? And what are you not doing? And um, what impediments are you hitting? And what are you trying to do to get around it? Because I, I am not going to say that you should just sit there and suck it up and tough it out. Like there is a time to hit the ripcord and leave if you are not being effective or if you are feeling constrained. And that's exactly what I mean with this is not a fucking jail. This is not a prison. Yes. However, you also, before you pull that ripcord, should say, "Am is it in my best interest to, like, have I truly tried everything or have I given it at least a, a real attempt? Because, you know, you've all, we've all heard the grass is not greener on the other side. Well, yeah, like, the list of companies that I can tell those people get it, like it, where I can tell them, if you go work at company B, you're going to have an amazing experience is pretty damn short, if, if existent at all. Like, it's all hard. 
but yes, yeah, some, um, you know, we, I've said on this podcast before, like we've got to plant seeds in fertile soil. So if you're feeling from day to day, week to week, month to month, like you're just, you're doing all the right things and the, the, the soil has been salted with, 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 with salt or diesel fuel. Yeah. Maybe you do need to go somewhere else, but you also should look in the mirror and just say, if I am going to move, what's going to be different? Why am I not, am I running away from something or am I running towards something and running towards like in my, my colleague's example last night is so much healthier for everyone involved. If you are not leaving your company because of why they suck, but instead of because how you're going to thrive and help somewhere else. Yeah. And I like the example that sense of thinking about um, the degrees, the, the green, Jesus Christ, the grass is not greener on the other side. Then you have two options. Either you try to make it green yourself and you provide the fertilizer, etc., or you work with the gardeners. And in this case, mm-hmm. and that's a, a good segue to um, my uh, proposals for conferences in, in 2024. So if you're listening, organizations that are organizing <laughs> conferences, pick this one out. Organizational gardening is for the leaders and especially middle management to create the cultures for other others to thrive in. And I know middle management has a really tough spot in that sense because they have to create the environment where you both connect teams and people developing the product as well as C-level management. C-level management is there to think about the direction of the company and not make content decisions. And the product teams, the other way around. They have to make all the decisions on the product and not how the company needs to be run. Middle management mm-hmm. is there to connect those two, those worlds, and make sure that there's an environment and culture for people to thrive in. Mm-hmm. But you wanted to talk about a comment yeah. in the chat as well. Yeah. So uh, Sabrina says in the comment, like, uh, basically, how do you deal when there's so many options? Um, and then because of so many options, you get stuck. And I, I felt this and was talking to somebody recently about this where I was researching a Christmas gift um, for my partner and I was overwhelmed with the options. And then what I realized is I need to create some constraints because the prices ran from a hundred dollars to 4,000. Okay. Well, boom, there's an easy constraint. Like I'm not spending 4,000. So then it was like, well, what features are important to me? What this, and what you, what you feel and see is your options start to narrow and it gets easier. And I think if we apply this to a career move, um, a product, something, you can start to thin down your options and focus on what really matters and then go after those with a laser focus. Like what I, the, the career advice I've been telling a lot of people, because um, I, I assume that you you get this a lot too, as people ask for advice on career changes or, or what's next for them. A lot of my advice could be summed up by saying, find out, don't find another job. Finding another job is pretty easy. Find, try and find another career, your next career. And one of the best pieces of advice my grandfather ever gave me was jobs are easy. Always have a job, but don't stop looking for your career, like that place where you can make a difference, where it can feel like home, where you're going to give that 110% without having to be asked. And but then in this in 2023, 2024, you have to go after those things that are left with a laser focus. You can't just blindly apply to some job on a careers page anymore. You've got to network. You've got to somehow separate yourself, which is where our conversation with Jeff Godhelf comes in. And 
one of the the things that I said this week to someone who was feeling a little concerned about their career prospects is, and they were feeling anxious to your point about reorgs and things. And I said, competence is always a valuable commodity. And they're like, whoa, what, what do you mean by that? And I go, if you can do this shit, if you can be effective, if you, if people around you say, wow, that person helps me, they are good. You will almost never hurt for a job. Like, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but competent people in any aspect of life have a confidence. They have a, a slightly higher sense of safety and security than, than everyone else. And so part of that to the other comment in the, in the, in the chat around imposter syndrome is understanding your competence and you might need somebody else to tell you how they see you and they might need to reflect how competent you are and then give you some very pragmatic suggestions for ways to improve your competence and say, you're great at these three things, but I really suggest you think about this or go learn this, or can you help me with this thing that I need help with? Yeah, coming back to the former point on the career, etc. my first advice would be find something that makes you happy. And this, again, I, I cannot stress this point enough. You can have a really good career. You can have a really good job. You can have a, a, a paycheck that allows you to drive a Ferrari. But if you're still not happy, none of that matters. So find something yeah. that matters, that makes you happy. Life is way too short to, to chug away all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have, I'm lucky enough now where I have someone who works for me. And one of the things I asked her was forget about what you want to do and, and how good at it you are. Like that is a, a given. I know you're good at what you do. Where would you like to do it? And she said, well, what do you mean? I'm like, what, what interests you? Like, what's your hobbies? What, what's your interest? How do you spend your time when you're not working? Well, my family and I, we like mountain biking. We like camping, like awesome. She's now working at a major sporting goods retailer. Like, is that a perfect match? Like, no, maybe it's not. But you know what? I bet the fact that somebody cares a little bit more about the product that their company is making is going to lead to some benefits. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I think you're saying is it, it this what you want to do doesn't have to be this big, huge, life-altering thing. No. It's if you have options of being a, a product manager in in the world, what do you like? I love coffee. Being a, being an agilist or a leader at Starbucks or in Costa Rica to a coffee plantation would be a dream job for me. Try and get me to not come into the office fifty hours a week if that's the case. <laughs> you know, so and most people don't have just one. Like you, maybe it's Formula One. Like imagine if you could go to work every day doing what you love to do and what you're good at for a race team. Listen, if someone would offer me a job right now with a Formula One team, I would drop this conversation right now and I would start running. Yeah. I would pour my heart and soul into this job because I really, really enjoy that. I mean, I have a friend who likes drinking. I have a friend who likes drinking and he he is a connoisseur. He loves bourbons and beers and craft brews. And we were talking about this idea and I go, Dude, what do you think? You, you think I want you to go work at the neighborhood bar? No, go work at AB InBev. I, I've done work for them. Go, go work at uh, a, a distributor. Go work at a marketing company whose brands are around the vice industries, right? Like tobacco, alcohol, et cetera. Like 
There are so many options. All these big companies need people in all these skill sets. Find a way to connect and laser target your search from what you like to do and what you're good at and what you want to do. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure that if it's, if it's something that you are passionate about, you can make this into a good paycheck as well. Not necessarily maybe yeah. just the job itself, but things that are surrounding it, be that talks about it, be that writing about it, creating a book, creating a paid podcast or something like that. You can turn anything into money. You just know, you got to know how to turn the rocks. Absolutely. And I think if we look back at history, the people who have turned something into money were doing it in an area of their passion. Like uh, one, one recommendation I'd give the audience is there's a YouTube channel, I think it's called Big Company. Mm-hmm. And it's really about like, how did some of the, the most well-known brands in the world, how did they get started? How did the first Rolex watch get created? How did Louis Chevrolet get started? Um, how did the Eames brothers start to design furniture? And if you go back and, and watch some of these things, what you're going to see is people who had an area of passion or they saw a need or a problem and they applied what they were good at to that problem. Exactly. Just to make sure the people who are listening, they are now afraid that they ever would have to pay for this podcast or whatsoever. Don't because this, this whole community and everything that we offer is going to be free. I don't want people to pay yep. for this. Uh, this is just uh, sheer passion for the job, Jim, and for my love of you. But you know how, Sandra, you know how they cannot pay for this and keep us doing what we like doing? Is if, if a company wants to talk to you or I, or if a conference wants to have a chat with you and I or a live recording, call us, reach out, uh, send us an email on Discord or from masteringagility.org. Like, um, I think there's an opportunity here for um, us to help a wider audience, and maybe it's in an individual organization like um it's a give and take right yeah absolutely that could be meetups that could be conferences that could be having people on this podcast as guests that could be anything right well and brendan like uh our previous guest brendan is a great example is um this week i asked a few people if they would want to be guests in the future and they're like i don't think i have anything to say i'm like oh my god of course you do you have a hundred things to say yeah but so if, if you're out there listening and you think I have a story or I, I'm not sure what I would want to say, that's fine. Uh, send me an email and we'll find out if you have something to say. And if you if you want to talk about something, maybe we do a panel. Uh, I was talking to one of our uh, regular audience uh, contributors the other day, Fred, and I'm like, maybe you sit on a panel first. Maybe Maybe you're one of six people and we fire questions at the panel and just get four or five different observations in the same topic. Sure. But and, people need this platform, right? And I'm pretty sure that everyone has something to talk about. It's just we would not be doing our jobs really well if we could not get people to talk. That's what we do. Like, I I imagine that if you ask people to just start talking about a, a random something that they're passionate about for 60 minutes straight, yeah, sure, then, then nothing's going to happen or it's not going to be uh, constructive or very, how do you call that, structured that's where we come in to ask you the questions that people want to know. Everyone has their story. Everyone has something to tell or to share. It's just, it's your perspective that matters to the audience. That's really interesting. Yeah. 
Speaking of, and young, no one else has no one else has your story. Like no one else has your experiences, exactly. your your unique blend of upbringing, job history, education history, network, friends, family, all that. Like I am constantly intrigued by what I learn from people that um have colored their 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 capabilities and like things that they picked up over the time whether it was when they used to be a chef or when they used to work in a retail business in high school and how those experiences affect or color positively or negatively how they show up doing completely different types of work exactly and if so if you're listening and you think well I, I'm in this in this spot. I don't. I want to talk. I want to speak. Do public speaking. I want to write, and I have no clue what I should be talking about. I don't have any stories. Just start or join the Mastering Agility Discord, where we can help you out. Which brings me to a next point, because by the time that people are hearing this, I think I can share this. I haven't even shared this with you, Jim, but I'm pretty stoked about uh -oh. this. Yes. Hot takes. Yes. Serious Scrum is a platform on Medium, on LinkedIn, etc., where writers come together to talk about Scrum, Agile, anything related to that. Hence the name Serious Scrum. Um, one of the founders just hopped out. He opted out because uh, he's not really writing about Scrum anymore. He's passionate about writing about other stuff. And the other founder, Stuart Nyland, he was thinking about what to do with it. And I had a conversation with him. There's a, there's a huge disc or a huge Slack community tied to it. And he created the Road to Mastery as well. He uses that for uh, Slack too. And he figured, I don't know what to do with this community anymore. So um, what we decided now is that Serious Scrum is going to be a leading quality or uh, authority um, platform for, for articles for writers that have been chosen specifically. And all the other stuff, like the whole community, whether that's on Road to Mastery or whether that's uh, the serious Scrum stuff, that's what we're going to be using our Discord for. So we're going to change everything to our Discord. So we're going to create one huge community. And that is huge. <laughs> huge. It's going to be huge, yes. I'm pretty stoked awesome. about that because there are thousands of people in there. I'm not assuming that all thousands are going to go come into our community, but we want to continue the community uh, uh, community writing and the feedback coming back from the community. So again, if you're you're looking to start writing about this or start writing about anything else, join the Mastering Agility Discord community and you will get proper feedback, constructive feedback that we can help you to become a more uh, a proficient writer about whatever you want to do. So I'm really looking that's forward that's to that because that creates a whole new world of opportunities, whether that's on virtual events, whether that's on the PSM3 preparation sessions that are run by Marge. And I know that she's going to hate me calling out her name. <laughs> Speaking of impossible. Marge is a key member of our team. And yes. Yes. Go on. She's going to become the glue, I think, that, that keeps this, this boat afloat, like her and others, right? I'm not going to call anybody else out, but there are a number of people behind the scenes that, that nudge and help in small ways that are very impactful. So, 100%, yes. Yeah. But again, She's blushing right now. I can guarantee it. She's yes. blushing. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm like, nope. Get over it. it. You're awesome. Exactly. Like, like Sabrina mentioned, imposter syndrome. Everyone has imposter yep. syndrome and none of y'all need that. You're all good. Yep. You're doing amazing work. That's what I really enjoy about this community. But I think it's good to be humble as well. 
Yep. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Let's come back to the questions in our mural board. Let's see if we can tie anything, anyone together with this. Um, what's the starting point of Agile? The beginning of evolution. The starting point of Agile is admitting that you don't know what the hell you're, you want or that something needs to change. Tricky one. I guess. I mean, I that that's my off-the-cuff answer. That is not very well thought out, very well stated. But, um, you know, somebody, somebody asked me recently, like, should we do this waterfall or agile? Like, they, they see everything as one of two doors. You either pick door A or door B. And I, I kind of ignored the fact that I don't see it that way. But I said, how well do you understand what you're doing, how you do it, and what the outcome needs to be? We talked about that and they turned out they they knew exactly what they needed to do they thought they knew how to do it and they had the skills they needed i'm like yeah agility can help but you know i'm not going to tell you you can't just have a plan driven approach then exactly it really depends on how you read this question because the starting point of agile could be like what sabrina said in the chat complex problem or environment or does this person who listed this question mean like where in the history of man did Agile yeah. start to origin. And then if you're going to at such an existential level, I would say it's evolution by, in and by itself because you continuously, the species in general needed to inspect and adapt all the time to evolve. Hence why we now yeah, have I mean, chicken instead of T-Rexes. Yeah. I mean, all this is, is the response to stimulus. It's the scientific method. It's all of these things are just human nature. Every human is just like I feel that every child is an artist and we stop being an artist when, for a variety of reasons, I think everything is, is agile until something affects it. But if you, if you want to zoom out to that level, I, I would agree with you. It's, it's evolution. It's human nature. Um, the other point is you can be building a very well-known, well-understood, well-documented thing in a complex environment. Building a building, let's just say, in... The country outside of Omaha, Nebraska is very different than building the same building in Manhattan. You're going to have a lot more complexity. You're going to need different, different tools, different techniques, different everything. Even if the, the thing you're building is exactly the same. So if you find yourself in a complex environment, maybe the agility and the complexity and the scientific method is going to need to come in for everything around the thing it is you're doing instead of the thing itself. Maybe, yeah. I think that's a really good closure to this episode. Yeah. So, again, I really enjoyed this one. Just off the cuff, no planning whatsoever. Just pulling up a, a couple of uh, questions in here. Thank you to the audience. Thank you to Sabrina for being here once again and being our perpetual support. Really enjoy that. And you enjoy your stay over there. All right, you too. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. All right, man. See ya. Bye. That is all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, let us know by hitting that like button, share it with friends and colleagues, sharing a message on LinkedIn, joining our warm and welcoming Discord community, or attend recordings as a virtual audience. You can find all the relevant links in the show notes. We hope you'll tune back in for the next episode of the Mastering Agility Podcast.